You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Judith Light may be among the world's most versatile actors. Her big break was Ibsen on Broadway, but she got famous as a housewife prostitute on One Life to Live. Shixes and Zionists, victims and villains, Hedda Gabler and Who's the Boss, Light is a living lesson in following the work wherever it takes you. She's got two featured actress Tonys and 18 credits in made-for-TV movies. There was one period of her life when she couldn't multitask. On One Life to Live, she was churning out an hour of melodrama every single day, and her life was the set and her fellow actors. That's how my husband Robert and I met. They saw the chemistry between us, and they wrote to it. He was on the show. Yeah. 37 years later, we're still here. Yeah, I know. Right. You went to Carnegie. Yeah. And, 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 and before you got on One Life to Live, you did a bunch of other things prior to One Life. Yeah, repertory theater. Yeah. Right. And, and so, so when you and you said to your agent, no soaps, no sitcoms. That's right. And you had a multi-year run of both. <laughs> I'm not a person you of my word. You want to hit soap and you want to hit sitcom. Uh, yeah. Okay. Just that's the way it happened. But what, ha- what, what happened was I realized that I was really being... Uh, very prejudicial about those two forms of work. Right. You were on One Life for how long? Five years. And, 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 and how would you describe those five years? Well, you know, it takes up your whole life. And that's what it did. It took up my whole life. And because I had a big storyline, it took up a, a, a lot of my life. I'd have and a I, script in my pocket going out at night. That's right. That's right. I'd be it, on the subway next to some guy who th- probably had a gun in his pocket. Uh, and I'm sitting there going, I love you, Greta. <laughs> oh, God, Greta, I love you. I love you. Don't you know how much I love you? And some guy next to me was like, you know, you, you better <laughs> shut up. I'm going to stab you. <laughs> this writing is terrible. I'm like, tell me about it. No, but they they started to write I mean, you know, that's an hour of programming every day. How do you, 
I mean, yeah. that's people untenable. Told me that, yeah. People untenable. told me, yeah, be, be gentle with them because it's the toughest job in show business. There's no question daytime about it. Daytime writing. And daytime acting if you're in a lot. And also, you know, for directors too, it's like, you know, you don't have, you don't have a life. So the five years was basically no life. And finally, Robert said to me, he said, you have to leave. He said, if you don't leave, and he had been out in California, he said, if you don't leave, you're going to be here forever. And I said, I don't want to leave. I love my part. I love this show. I love these people. I love New York. I want to be in New York. And it's like, he said... You're going to be here forever. He said, you've got to yeah. get up the... Jump out you know, of the nest. you got got to. So when the soap is over and you decide you're going to move to California right, right away, right. whose decision was that? Well, it f- ultimately became mine. I mean, Robert really was the point person for getting me to get that it was time to go. Right. And that's He was still my on the husband. show? He, no, he had been on the show, went to L.A., did a couple of pilots, and then he said, you know, you really need to be out there. And I said, why? Why do I? He, I said, here, I can do theater. I can do the show. He said, you'll work out there. And I said, okay, so we go. So it was really him kind of And how long were you out there me. before you worked? Well, I did a movie of the week first. And I'm, What was that? What movie of the week? I, I did a few of those. I was so awful in this. This is probably one of the worst things I ever did. It was called Intimate Agony. Stop. Stop laughing at me. I love it. Intimate Agony, The Herpes Story. No. You, I'm telling you. That was you, I remember that. It was. Intimate Agony, The Herpes Story. They were going to call it Lovesick, but Dudley Moore's movie had come out and we couldn't call it Lovesick. It was, I had to tell somebody who I was about to sleep with, I think, that I had herpes. Can you recreate that now? How did I you tell I cannot. I cannot. Can you I, just give us a couple I, I would not. I, yes. Oh, Steve. Oh, Steve. I'm looking so, at so, anyway, so, yeah, I did that. And then I did St. Elsewhere. I did an episode of St. Elsewhere where I played a very, very pregnant woman who went into the operating room to shoot the doctor who was supposed to have given my husband a vasectomy. Because I ended up knocking And up. how and pregnant then, were you? Oh, so you're way out there. Like, so you uh, waited my water was about to, my water was about to break. So, so you, well, I guess the idea was you molded over, and you didn't want the baby to know this. You didn't want the baby to see this. This was so not my backstory. This is very good. No, this was not the backstory. But w- what happened after that was I didn't get work for a, a long time. My agents called me and said, oh, they want you for this pilot for this series. And then they called me back five minutes later and said, oh, we called the wrong person. God, good times. Right? Good times. So good. Good I was times. like, okay. It's like my mom bought me a snow globe. Oh. And I'm home, and someone walked up and pulled up in a car, came into my house, grabbed my snow globe, and smashed it on the floor. Yeah. Does that sound well, childlike enough? But it, it's those things that hurt in that way. I always wonder how people, and particularly people now of your stature, and everybody's like, everybody wants you, that there's this place where we go to where you got to get rid of that stuff quickly. You can't let it fester. That's a very good point. You have to let it go. I've gotten better at that. Go. Well, now, you know, you have a family and you have other things that you, you focus on, but there's some there's some way in which it's really important to let go of it and not hang on to it. Well, I find I always want to know from people who are really successful how, how, of course, they have those things happen to them, and how do they let it go? Well, it's like, it's like years ago, networks and movies, they, everyone really knew where they were going to go. They'd sit there and say, we're going to make this movie, whether the movie was worth it, whether it was good, whether it was going to succeed. They called you up and say, we're going to pay you this fee, and here's the dates, and we all went. It's yeah. not like the independent world now, where people line everybody up and then we go see if we can get the money. Yeah. And, and if we don't get the money, sorry, 
and, and so you don't really know what you're going to do. And I've talked to people now, I wouldn't say anticipating problems, but I would be talking to somebody these days and I'd say, and listen, Bob, you know, if you're financing the film and you find out that someone else comes along who's better for you to raise money than me, don't worry about it. Like, just, I'll walk away. I, was, if I do the movie, great. And if I don't do the movie, I couldn't care less. That's really kind of you. I don't get attached to any of the projects in my know that, ever. That's, the, ever. that's, I think, the larger point about our business and life is that once you're attached to something, there's this sense in which we hold on to things and we don't let them go. This is a bad business for that. It's a really bad business for that. And I have to, it's sort of like if you're in it, find a new context, find another way of, of operating within it, because that's a really gorgeous gesture that you make. And I think it's really wise for people to know that, that there are people of your stature who are willing to say that to somebody. It's like if you could give that information to people who are young and starting out, it's like, think from this mind. Because you spend a lot of time, waste a lot of time, I think I know I did, just sort of wanting it and needing it and and just let it go. How long were you out there and living out there before you did the sitcom? I, we went in January and I got Who's the Boss? It was the first pilot that I made um, in that September. Do you September. want to set shooting the series nine months after you got there? Uh, uh, yeah. 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 So, you, so you didn't really stress too much in L.A.? <laughs> no, but I did. I did. I kept going up for all these auditions. I kept going For at, nine months. Yes, but 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 wait. What, what I, where I was coming from was, hey, I just got two Emmys for a soap opera. I mean, I had a lot of this kind of, you know, where's mine? Yeah. Which is a really bad attitude. Do you realize how lucky you are that I'm here? And yeah, a whiff of that. And, and no, that was that was what was going on underneath, covered over with "Hi, how are you? Just want to be here." And you know that's real bull, and people feel it. And I said to my manager at the time, who's no longer alive, I said to Herb, "What's going on?" He said, "You're enraged." I said, "I'm sorry, what?" And he said, "You're you're furious. You have an expectation that people should just be giving you stuff." And he said, "It's untenable. People feel it. You walk into a room and nobody wants to be around you." Do you think he was right? I know he was right. Why? Because he knew he could see something that I wasn't that I was <clears throat> that I was in denial about that I was unwilling to see that about myself. And so when I walked into the audition for Who's the Boss, I was in a very different place. Who created that show? Blake Hunter and Marty Cohen. I love talking to you because you remember all this history. Remember when you would go up for a network and you would have different shows that people were interested in you for? Mm-hmm. And you would have to put them in different positions, like first, second, third position. Well, I was up for three shows at one time at ABC. And the first one, because I had just gotten off the soap, was a thing called Staff of Life. And it was about soap opera writers. And so I put that in first position. And I put this thing called You're the Boss in second position. And then I said to Herb, I'm not going to go in for You're the Boss. He said, why wouldn't you go in? I said, well, you know, I put the other one and it was Jay Sandrich, who's a wonderful Mm -hmm. director. I said, I want to work with Jay. This is good. He said, you're terrified. He said, you're afraid. I said, no, I'm not. He said, you're afraid. Pack up your stuff and go do the taped audition with Tony Danza. Just get your ass over there. And I was like, all of these things that were coming up about my myself and the things that I hadn't really looked at before in a right. really deep way were all surfacing. And he was calling me on them. And I went in and I auditioned with Tony. And we had the most fabulous chemistry. And it was just wonderful. It was totally live. Four cameras, three cameras. Yeah, in front of a live audience. But when I did that, I came back home and I said to Herb, I said, 
oh, dear God, I put the wrong thing in first position. And he said, well, you're just going to have to live with it. You're going to have to live with that choice. And what happened was the executives at ABC saw the tape between Tony and myself, and they said, we're going to put her. They took care of it. They, they took care of it. They said, we're going to put her. She doesn't know what she's doing. So they called the head of staff and they were like, sorry. <laughs> they said, she's gone. we're putting her, yeah. we're putting let her go. in this. Let they, it go. Let it go. Had you done the, the live thing, the four camera thing? Had you no. Kind of a live, well, you'd done theater, obviously. So no, what was that like for you, that transition? It was fantastic. It's fun. It's the most fun. It's fun. It's like doing theater. And Tony was so great because Tony said, we're going to do this like a theater piece. It's going to be a one-act play, and that's how we're going to do it. So we didn't go back and do a lot of... How many years you do it? Eight. First series went... Back then when there was a real audience watching TV. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we came on, and they put where they put us was opposite the Cosby lineup on Thursday nights. That's where we started. Not a good place for us to be. So they kept moving us around all year because they had tested it. Remember when they used to really test shows and the audience would tell them? They said, it tested off the charts, so we're going to find a place for it. And they did. And people found us in the summer reruns. That's how they found right. us. Came back the second Seinfeld year. Seinfeld always says that. that. He did a year or two years, yeah. and they weren't doing well. Then finally, some famous show got canceled, and they gave them that slot, and then it was just like everything just Same sore. with Everybody Loves Raymond. It was the same thing. Phil Rosenthal talks about it all the time. It's like they just, they they knew they had something, and they if you would stick with it. And today, they don't really stick with anything. Right. So, you know, you go to Carnegie Mellon grade school. You're a very bright woman, very serious about your career. When you win a Tony, did that feel good? It did. I won, I won, I won twice. You twice. won four? I won twice. I won first for, for Other wins? Desert Cities. Oh, other Desert Cities. Other Desert Cities, and then I won for The Assembled Parties. Oh my God. Yeah, How consecutive. It felt <laughs> fantastic. Well, I mean, right? I mean, when, when That's you, the one I want to win one day. You will. I probably won't, but you win an Emmy, you win an, uh, a Golden Globe, whatever, SAG Awards, all lovely, very grateful, not, not to diminish them. But there is something about winning a Tony where you're like, you know. Here's the thing. You know what it's like to work in the theater. You have this family. And so it expands out. You have this extended family of people that really are rooting for you. I was away from the theater for 22 years. I came back and did Wit, which is where I was naked and shaved my head. So, so you're away for 22. I want to get back to Tony Danza, but we're, we're now yeah, over here. Yeah. What, 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 when you do the, when you, when you come back to the theater after 22 years, how does that decision happen? Well, it happened out, out of the fact that people only thought about me as an actor who could do the soap opera or the sitcom. Right. The blonde girl with the big shoulder pads and the, you know, 14 pounds of blonde hair and, and yeah. extensions. And so it's like, and it's funny and it's great and it's an, an incredible uh, working experience. Well. Turned a lot. Tony taught me so much about comedy. Everything practically that I learned, I learned from Tony. And then it was like people didn't know where to put me. I didn't, all these movies of the week, I had done all of this stuff, and it was like, nobody could quite get me. They didn't know how to get me, and I had to come back and show people I'm willing to be here, I want to be so here. how did what happen? Um, I auditioned. Who directed? Derek Anson Jones, who was quite ill at the time, and Leah Gardner, uh, who was his friend at Yale, actually took oh, over and helped to right. put me in, into the show. And um, it was w- one of those things. It was Bernie Telsey and Daryl Roth. And I, you know, I came into audition. I had, if memory serves... I mean, you say put you into the show, someone else was playing the part. Yes, Kathleen Chalfon. I, I, she was under, I was, she, I, I love you know, I came, she, she's just... I saw her in Angels with the original Angels. Just, so did I, right? Amazing. And Joe Mandela. Yeah. You know, I'm really... I mean, at the Music Center. Yeah, I know. In right. L.A. Yeah, I know. Before they moved to Broadway. I know. Running real... the gauntlet of gay men with signs saying, I'm dying of AIDS, can I have your ticket? Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not kidding. Really? Oh, yeah. 
Last weekend at the music center before they, they were closing and going to move to New York. It was, it was horrible. I mean... The zeitgeist of AIDS and, and angels. It was that time. And I, Seth, I so appreciate that you have that as part of your context in, in life and what that was for all of us, what we were doing. And we were talking about the theater and how people are so... I didn't pay... I, that's one of my shames. I didn't pay enough attention to it at the time and a couple of my friends died. And I really didn't, I didn't really get it. I was like, you know, somebody said, he's sick. And I was like, oh, well, God, I mean, what can I, you know, what can I possibly do for him other than just come, you know, fly back and sure, see him? Sure, sure, And I had two dear friends of mine who died of AIDS and it was all of a sudden they just died. And I was like, what? That was what we were all reacting I thought they had a cancer that was treatable and then they had that cancer and they were yeah. gone. And, and quickly. Too. Yeah, very in, in, ravaged. In ravaged, and it ravaged the whole community, and that's why an organization like Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, came into being and really took over and really helped. People. So when you step out there, yeah. uh, twenty-two years after you've done yeah. a play, yeah. and you do that, how did you feel? I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I thought truly, I was, I was truly terrified. What do you do? What did you do to overcome that? I didn't. I just accepted it and included it in everything that I was doing. There was nothing else to do. I mean, it's like if you're going to take the chance and do that. I mean, I hadn't been in front of the New York critics in 22 years. I hadn't been on a stage. I needed to go back and t- take voice lessons again. I'd been in a studio. You know what it's like to be in a studio. Right. So so I went to an opera teacher, and, and she never let me sing. She just taught me how to breathe again. Mm-hmm. And it was just this terrifying experience. I mean, it was almost... I was almost apoplectic, and I just said to myself, you get out there, and you do this. And how long did you run in WIT? Almost a year. Where was it? I, it was here at the Union Square Theater, which right. is no more, uh, downtown, and they wouldn't let me do it in New York unless I did it on the road. You've been on the road. I did it in Boston. I did it at the Kennedy Center in Washington. Then I did it in Florida. You want to try doing a play like WIT in Florida? One night, Herb was there, and I said to him, What's going on with the sound system? This is what was happening all through the play. (laughs) He said, what's going on? And he said, all the people with their oxygen tanks were in the first row. And that was the sound that I was hearing. It was really, it was, that was a, Florida was a rough place to do it because I think they thought, oh, this will be cute. It's called Wit. It's the girl from Who's the Boss. She's very funny. Yeah. And they would get up in the middle of the show and it had continental seating, you know, continental seating, there's no aisle in the middle. Right. And I would hear people say, okay, come on, she's throwing up, let's go. She thought she was being quiet. Of course. But of course, he has a hearing problem. She had to really... She had to let him know. She had to let him know. Morty! And the other thing that happened was like, this character has neutropenia. I mean, she's sick and she's dying fourth stage ovarian cancer. And so the the nurse puts me in the wheelchair and she puts me in the wheelchair, wheels me over to the bed and she covers me over and I hear somebody scream from the theater, give her the other blanket! (laughs) That was what it was like. What was that day like for you? Like, you get to the theater when, describe your process Mm. doing a play, a heavy play. Oh, that's a really great question. I walk from the east side where I am across town and purposely am there so that I can walk across town. So I drop the day, got to drop the day and start going over the play in my head. I usually get to the theater about two to two and a half hours early. Right? You too. I get them like 6, 6.30. Yeah, exactly. So I that, need an hour. 
Right. Well, if I have to have a wig or... But the walking is a good idea. Such a good idea, right? And then you get there and you say hello to everybody, you greet everybody, there's a whole thing. And then just get in the place of the play. Have to be in that space. What you said that I love is I I have to drain the day out of me. Exactly. What you talked about holding on to. Yeah. Whatever you do, it'll just get neutral. That's right. And then you begin the process of thinking about the entrance. That's right. That's right. I would do yoga exercises. I would do a quick meditation, something that would not put me out, but really put me into a centered, active place. And remembering that it is my service. You give a performance. We are in the business of giving. That's our work, the way I hold it. The very versatile Judith Light, another actor who has appeared on successful TV shows, but has also left her mark on the stage. In fact, she prefers it, is Laurie Metcalf. I feel more at home. I feel like I know the craft better. And I still, to this day, even all those tapings of Roseanne and uh, the movies that I've done, I have a phobia of the camera. The rest of my conversation with Lori can be found in our archive at heresthething.org. Judith Light is back after this. Mother's Day is coming, and Mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 
2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Judith Light's first Tony was for her role as the depressed and very funny failed screenwriter Silda Grauman in John Robin Bates's Other Desert Cities. It came just two years after her return to the stage following 22 years of work on screen. That first role was her brilliant, devastating turn as a professor dying of cancer in Wit, off-Broadway, in 1999. They were both parts her manager Herb Hampshire encouraged her to take on. He guided Light as a career advisor, but also as a friend. Hampshire was a clinical psychologist who'd never worked as a manager before she came along. Despite the professional risk, he supported Light's going all-in on theater after sitcom stardom. Other Desert Cities was how long after Wit? Oh, it was quite a while after Wit. I had done... How much theater did you do in between the two? I did a bunch because I came back to Broadway. Tommy Kale director of Hamilton, uh, I auditioned for him for this play called Lombardi, which was about Vince Lombardi. Everybody said to me, eh, I don't think you should go up for this. It's too small a part. I'm the girl who hasn't been on Broadway for over 30 years. I'm going in, and I'm going to audition for this. He gave me the part in the room. We had the you most... play what, Lombardi's... His wife. His wife. Marie Lombardi. Who, play, who played Lombardi? It was Dan Loria. That, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was the first Tony I got nominated for. Right. Ellen Barkin won for... Um, the revival of angels. Of, no, 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 Oh yeah, yeah. Of, 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 uh, oh yeah, yeah. Crazy playwright that had never been produced on Broadway before. And it, Larry and, Kramer. What is it? The Normal Heart. Uh huh. The Normal Heart. So, which I wanted to do. I want. I, I auditioned for that. It was Joe? Well, Joe was nominated for a Tony, and Joe and I saw each other at the. That fucking Joe. <sighs> he's rich. He's smart. He's. Brilliant. Talented. He said to me before we did other Desert Cities, he and I had been at the Tony luncheon because he, we had both been nominated, me for Lombardi and him for The Normal Heart, and we're sitting next to each other. And about a few weeks after that, I get this call that they're offering me the part of Other Desert Cities because I had done uh, a play reading. Here's the story about jo- Joan Rivers said to me one time, we were at Hal Prince's Christmas party. She said to me, we were alone in a room. She said to me, She was amazing. She said, I say yes to everything. Everything. I say yes to everything. So I get a call from Bernie Telsey's office. He says, they want you to do a reading of a Richard Greenberg play called On the Babylon Line on a Sunday matinee during Lombardi, I think it was. Yes. Okay. I'll be there. I do it. Joe is there because he and Richard Greenberg are good friends. Joe might be directing this play. Joe doesn't know my work. I mean, I'd just been doing Lombardi and I do the reading. I leave. But it was the thing that when Joe saw me do that, he got the idea when he saw me at the Tony luncheon that I could do other desert cities because I was taking over for extraordinary Linda Lavin. She was doing another play on Broadway. But you originated on Broadway. I originated on Broadway. And so after that, Lynn Meadow commissioned Richard Greenberg to write a play for me and Jessica Hecht, and that was The Assembled Parties. So one year it was Other Desert Cities, and I got the Tony, and the next year I got but, but, Assembled Parties. But you make my point vividly here, which is someone gets you in the door at the party, then what happens after that is up to you. That's right. It's up to you. That's right. And you are very successful in daytime 
and then you move to L.A. and you're very successful on a huge comedy. The migration of that woman where you're standing on the set with Joe Mantello directing a play written by Robbie Bates, mm-hmm. and you're there with Stocker Channing and Stacey Keach. Do you sit there and go, how this happen? Yes. What a great joy that is to get there. Yeah. But people don't realize you don't stop journeying. You use the correct word. It's a migration, and it's an evolution, and it's an expansion. And if you hold yourself in that framework, then you can move in those directions. You know, I'm working now more than I ever have in my life. How did that happen? Well, I believe in what you're talking about. Right. All of those young people, how do I get an agent? How can I get a manager? It's like, that's not the question. You need to stop seeking and be curious. Who are you? What kind of life are you going to have? How are you going to be in the world? How do you want people to see you? Are you kind? Are you generous? Are you available to people? Do you have wonderful children and do you create amazing citizens in the world? Yes, those are the things that are have great value. You know, the next thing you do is like, okay, it's the next thing you do. It's your artistic work. It's your service. You give it. You do it to the best of your ability, there's something else that holds that all together that's much greater, much bigger, much more important. But what's the rehearsal process like with Joe and those actors and Robbie? Robbie sits in the room with you. I wish we were on television. The script is out. Joe is sitting with the script. The two of them are sitting next to each other, and they go forward and back and forward and back and look at it and listen and watch and think, is this needed? What about that? Listening to the actor. There was one thing toward the end, and I said, what is Silda doing here? There's something that needs to be completed here. And so Robbie would be furiously writing, and then if he overwrote it, Joe would say, it's too much, and then we would find the balance. But being with all of them, it was just so special. How long did you do other desert cities? From September until... Right after the Tonys, till till June. Like eight I mean, months. Long time. Long, long run. On Broadway. Yeah. I mean, there are things that happen you don't even understand how they happen. It's sort of like that Kierkegaard line, which is, life can only be lived going forward. It can only be understood looking backward. Mm-hmm. Could I have planned this kind of career? That's what I say to young people all the time. I say, you, you have this thing in your head like I did. It's like, I have to do this, and I have to do this, and this is going to get me what I want. It's like, no, it's not. That's your picture. It doesn't have anything to do with the with with the real world. I don't know anybody that's done the crazy range of things right. I've done. I mean, I have done this, like, the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Did you love orphans? I have to ask you. I mean, seriously. Well, let me tell you. Let me. me, It's interesting. You know, we had this very difficult um, problem. They fired Shia LaBeouf and and, and, uh, Ben came in and and saved the day. And uh, Tom Sturridge did the show, got nominated. So Sullivan directs, and and you kind of get the impression that this is a case in which he thought he wanted to do something and was discovering very quickly that he didn't want to do it. Oh, dear. Like, he just did not seem, you know, I mean, at one point turned to me in front of the playwright and say, I don't get this play. (gasps) You know, I mean, like in full audio range of Lyle. And to me... This is very important to me, so I want to take my time and really say this carefully. I want to get your opinion of this, too, which is in terms of acting with a capital A. I used to show up and be like, I just was grateful to be there. Yeah. Tell me what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. I'm, you're, I'm a puppet, mm-hmm. and you're a puppeteer, mm-hmm. and it's all, what do you want? Mm-hmm. I don't want to disappoint you. Mm-hmm. And 
then as years go by, I'm sitting there going, well, I mean, here's what I think it is. I'm coming in, and, and I'm assuming you hired me for my instincts, and I want to tell you this is what I think the scene's about. Mm-hmm. I will give a director everything. I will give them the I, the entire smorgasbord. I will throw it out. It's like if you want a little, you know, knish, you want a little brisket, you want a little shrimp, take whatever you want. I'm not wedded to any of it, but I'll do the work, and I'll give you everything. My job is to make it about everybody else. It's not about me. And in this business, we think it's all about us. I know. I mean, to me, it's always like music. What's mm-hmm. the music? Mm-hmm. Yes. What's the pace? Yes. Yeah. There's music. music. Always. What's the beat? And with orphans, I said, you know, there's just something to me about, because I lost my dad when he was very young. I was 25. He was 55. Oh, my God. And that it, it cast a tremendous shadow over my life and everything. And so I said, it's about uh, uh, mentorship and, just, and, 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 and being a father. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who the last act of his life. So I said, act one, I wanted to be like a farce. And everyone is acting. The characters are acting. Everyone walks on stage and they're interacting with you and they're all full of shit and they're all putting on this crazy behavior to manipulate each other. And I'm playing like I'm a gangster and I'm trying to pretend I'm a big shot to intimidate them and control them and get them to do what I need. So I'm there. And then in the second act, I wanted to be completely naturalistic. All that drops away. It's I pistol whip the boy. He goes down. Life changes. Curtain. Yeah. Curtain up. And it's like, it's like, it's like a little house on the prairie. You know, it's me and the boys, and now I'm going to father them. Yeah. And I want everything to be very real and take all that. All we, right. we, don't, we don't have to put on anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to do that, and no communication with the director about that at all. No, nothing coming back. Nothing. It's like you're hitting a ball, and the ball never gets hit back. And, uh, and I'd seen other people, you know, I'd seen orphans, because uh, all the reviews bury us. And they say, well, I mean, the, the original production, Steppenwolf, and that, and that was a production of orphans, and it was dangerous, and it was edgy, and this is like a Alec Baldwin's just, you know, fucking off up there and doing all the silly comedy, this bad routine, whatever. They, they killed us. Really? Except this one review this one guy wrote, someone gave it to me, they said, read this review, because it's very smart, and I think he kind of got what you were doing. Mm. And that was what was important. Did, 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 like, you can say that I suck, but say, I saw what you were trying to do, and I don't think it worked, but I saw that, as opposed to, yeah. we're not even going to discuss the worthiness of what you were trying to do, because you know, there's, there's your intention, and there's your execution. That's right. There's your tactics, and there's your strategy. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because I remember somebody was telling me about the Berliner Ensemble and what they did was they invited the critic to come to all the rehearsals. So that, isn't that genius? So so that they could say at the end, this is what that actor was going for and whether they executed it properly or not. And that is what you're talking about. To come from a place like that is a very different place. A good good critic has to have that facility. Walter Kerr was like that. What are you going for and how well did you pull off? You can have a movie that the intentions are inane. Yeah. You can do a movie like The Hangover. It doesn't get any stupider than that. However, you pull it off. That's right. You take something that's very slight and you and you nail it. Right. But 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 just to finish this, because I want to get to you with the, the with the one more question about the Bates play. When you were working and you're with these people, I, I always found the kind of thrilling. You're around these black belt actors like Stockard and. But if your context is to learn from them, is to watch them and figure, you know, everything that they're doing and how they're doing it, it's like, this is a this is a class. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's you're elevated. Your whole life is elevated, and you you elevate the people around you too. You feel safe. 
right? I feel safer on stage than I do off stage. The, the, I swear to God. Most of us who do this, do, I know, don't cry, honey. It's horrible. It's okay. Isn't it horrible? Yes, because what, what we have is freedom within boundaries. It's like great parenting, and you know this probably better than anybody. It's like when you, you give your kids boundaries— that they have to operate within, they're free and they feel safe and they feel loved. Well, I give my kids boundaries and they laugh at me uh-huh. and run off well, and set fire to my apartment. That's a that's a whole that's a whole other story. But but that kind of safety, that kind of freedom within that space is what we and, but we also do know that every night is different because you have a different audience giving you back a different kind of energy. But you still know what you're gonna say and what the other person's gonna say. Two more questions. Yes, darling. I could do go on and on and on. Um, so we're talking about Hampshire, meaning. Yeah. When did he die? Three years ago. So, um, what was that like for you to have somebody who that? To have somebody who was in your corner in this business—that is rare. He gave me a whole lot of tools before he left, and I have. Uh, and you're still working with them to the end. Yeah, to the end, and I, I have in my agents who it was very interesting i mean i was with another agency and then um bob gersh flew out to see me do wit the people at gersh are like that there's that they they stepped in when her passed away in the most magnificent way and i have new managers now at brillstein and all of them have just sort of yeah they've just they just took me and said okay we're here. And so I have that experience with them. Who's your manager at Brillstein? I have three. Who are they? Danny Sussman. Do you know Danny? I know the name. Yeah, Danny and uh, Shauna Wexler and Ken Lee. Brillstein's a good company. Yeah, I'm very pleased to be there. And Beyond Brad. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. Sad about what happened to him. Very sad. But, I mean, but even when he was there, even after he left, it's still a hell of a company. Yeah. I love Bernie. He was so, he come see me on Broadway. Bernie Brillstein, come in from L.A., go see shows, write me notes backstage. You a sensational, kid. That's what Danny Sussman's Sweetie. like, Sweetie. In, fly in, see you, be there for you. But those are the people you're talking about in this business that when you find them, like Bob Gersh and Jason Gutman at the Gersh Agency, they are 1,000% there for me. And particularly since Herb died, they just all went, okay, rallying the troops, all just grabbed onto me. I have great publicists, too. It's the same thing. Right. You know— you you know how to have great people because you have great people in your life. I've got some, yeah. Yeah, and that that also comes from you. So do you look back now and think, there's just things I wouldn't do again, I wouldn't do anymore. I if never someone came that. to you with a great four-camera half-hour, would you do a sitcom again? I never say never about anything ever again. You're just again. completely open. I said, I'll never do a soap opera. I'll never do a sitcom. I'll never marry an actor, and I'll never move to California. I am so. How's full. it going? That's <laughs> not really working well for me. <laughs> so who says it's like? Don't you know the universe is listening? It's like what stupid woman at this point in time in my age in this career would say? You don't know how it's going to work out. Who would expect that a woman from day, daytime television would end up with two Tonys? You can't orchestrate yeah. that stuff. Yeah. You cannot. That's do a migration. It. Got it. But I want to ask you, because this is something people say, and I don't think about it too much, but it does come up. I said to Pacino once, when I, I interviewed Pacino to graduate from college. Love him. I did a play with him. What'd you do? We did a play. This is an interesting play for you to know about. It's called God Looked Away, and it's the story of the last few years of, of Tennessee, Tennessee Williams. Williams. You did a thing in L.A. with him? Yes, yes, yes. Where? What theater? At Pasadena Playhouse. What was that like? It was. He, he did inside the actor's studio last night again, like a reprise with Ellen Burstyn interviewing him. They talked for two and a half hours. Oh, my God. 
he's just he's you did that with him i did i did what was that like i value him so profoundly i mean i was shooting transparent at the time and then it would get in a car and i would go over to the pasadena playhouse and do the play and i didn't come on until the second act but i would watch him and I would observe him. Okay. Could not take my eyes off him. And and we would do the scenes over and over and over. And the nuance and the things that we would find and that he would find and then I would react off of. Um, that's the way Ryan Murphy works. I'm doing the politician. Dropping tomorrow. Now I was going to say, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. our last topic, which yeah. is how did you get contacted to do The Politician? What a, what a cast. Yum. You're back on, you're back doing other desert cities with the heavyweights. Bit, oh, it's Bette Midler. Mm, yum. So, Who else? Uh, ben Platt. It's Bette and me and Ben and Lucy Boynton, a couple of others in this second season. And Will, the first season was which cast? The uh, Gwyneth cast? Gwyneth, Gwyneth Jess Lang, uh, Ben. Yeah. Right. I got it because Brian Murphy put me in the assassination of Johnny Versace. And I love Ryan Murphy. I even though he and I did even even though he made me the greatest promise I was ever made. I played the 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 surgeon who the two guys in Nip Tuck, yeah. I was their mentor. He called me up on the phone, he goes, I want you to be the Obi Wan Kenobi of plastic surgery. Love that. I felt a chill go up my spine. Sure. Oh my god, I love that. Right. And we went and did one episode. Then I never heard from him again. He didn't call me back. But I still love Ryan. I love you, Ryan. He's a visionary. He sees the world very differently, like like nobody else. And Jill Soloway has that capacity as well. There are two of them that I've had the, the great good fortune to work with also. So Transparent, how many seasons? Five. This is the fifth season. Yeah. So Transparent's over? Well, you know, they nobody say knows. it's a finale. And the, look, you know. So they every, have another finale. And to, <laughs> There's, you know, it's my, my, you know, it's my, my farewell tour. But, you know, in every ending, there's a beginning. That was the very funny, very wise Judith Light. The transparent finale and the politician are both out now. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.